one. Okay, Bob, uh, okay. introduce the show, please. Hello, this is Jeff Frummis for the Frummis, <laughs> for the Jeff Frummis YouTube channel, 31 Days of Halloween, <laughs> which is something he's going to commit to every year without question, and he's going to do it constantly because it's so easy to keep up with. Hello, oh my welcome. God. Welcome I, I don't like introducing show. podcasts. I've been. Why did you do it? I wasn't expecting you to actually do it. I just. I, I just, did it sarcastically as a joke. I know it was. It was a fun. <laughs> I thought it was a funny joke. I thought it was hilarious. If you I, listen to Writers Blockbusters, and you hear me go, "Hey, welcome to Writers," Blo every time it's it sounds like I'm being sarcastic because <laughs> um, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, this has been, I'm not going to lie. This has definitely been a trudge this year for, as I was just explaining to Bob, why um, it's been a bit of a trudge. And I don't know if I will change the format next year. I'm still going to do it. I just, it, it has to be more fun than it is now. It is fun. I, I am I, having fun, but it's, yeah, it's definitely ahead. fun. And I've had fun being a part of the few I've been on, but I would recommend maybe doing like every three days you do a catch up. Instead of doing 31 days, or I was something. thinking like a week every or week or a week. Yeah. Do something like that where you just talk about everything you watched or something. But because every is, night, man, that's a lot, dude. It's not just one. Sometimes I'm doing two or three and then I got all yeah. the uploading and the <laughs> thumbnails. It's just it's it's nuts, dude. Right. October has been the last two October has been very, very busy. We just had Bob on for Exorcist three. I highly recommend you check out this magnum episode because <laughs> at the end of the episode when we were hour, done we were done talking about done talking yeah, yeah and we brought up right. star wars and that <laughs> unleashed a furious debate a passionate furious debate it's a phenomenal sure. debate i think so not halloween centered at all it's, it's not oh that's okay that's okay yeah. i'm gonna split it off i'll probably throw it up by itself in uh in in november and whatnot that's fine poses, whatever works it poses you know. interesting questions check it out that was that and bob also was on for um werewolf by night as well so those are the this is your third and i was on for that's not 31 but i was on for the third favorite horror movie one before this started right? well that was that was leading us in and we have to which yeah. reminds me um the next time bob will probably be on will be something like uh you know some sort of uh top top list bob if you want to think of something that that interests you it's you not know, horror based it's just another it be, top. Oh, okay. it could be horror based it could be i mean here here's the thing is you know me jeff every time you say you want to do something i'm always like it's your show please tell me because on my show but i want to i, I have a hard sorry i know but I, I have a hard time coming up with shit for my stuff so I like see. I, I, see. I don't want to come up with anything just tell me what to do uh, fair Use enough me. Use I'm sorry. I'm, you know what it is? No, I'm I, not mad. I'm just saying like, no, that's no, the no. reason I'm reluctant. Is like I, I, <laughs> I'm coming from the other side of like, oh, you know, Bob always is on the show and right. you know, he always goes with the flow and I thought maybe he would appreciate it if, you know, if we if it was something that he was really into, like something that he was very interested in that he personally wanted to talk about um because I don't know, I just figured that that would be that would be. But listen, if that if you prefer to have your brain off, I'll just be like, okay, Bob. Well, I don't have my five. brain off during the discussion. It's just no, I know, I know. But like, thinking of it, tell me what you what the topic is, and Fine. I will join in as best I can. That's 
what I'm more about. I think okay, there's going to be a top five list. We're going to do a top five list at the beginning of November. I don't know which one okay. it will be. We're going to be doing the top five and we're going to be playing the game that we played last time where we can knock each other out because it's as long as it's not like top five Game of Thrones episodes. I'll be it's fine. cutthroat. It's cutthroat and fun. And I like it. There's certain things I refuse to watch. and I'm never watching Game of Thrones, so don't make me. Yes, he is going to watch Game of Thrones. But I will we'll discuss not. that later. Yes. I will not will. be watching it. Sure you will. No. Anyway, anyway, um, we're talking about Frank and Hooker tonight. Frank Cannon Lauder. Yes. Um, I am a passionate, passionate lover of Frank Cannon Lauder films. Uh, a few things, a few introductory statements before we dive into Frank and Hooker and its madness. Um, the biggest crime, the biggest tragedy surrounding Frank Henlotter. And this truly is a tragedy, in my opinion. I love that, that Frank and Hooker, Frank Henlotter. Like, it's yeah, the one I know, right? It's his fucking name. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, the biggest crime is that he has not made more movies. That his that IMDb was, is very short. It there should have been um there should be a Frank Henlotter for every year of the 80s. As after starting after basket case he should have been and the reality is i'm sure that frank if frank heard me say that just now he'd be like well it wasn't like i wasn't trying it right. just you know movies cost money uh basket case he did basket case for thirty two thousand dollars in 1981 82 and i don't think you realize that sounds like a lot of money and that sounds like a lot of money by today's micro budget standards and today I know that I could probably make a couple of movies and I know Bob could make a couple of movies for 32 grand. However, I can make a movie for 300 bucks. If you really yeah. ask me to <laughs> To make a movie, to make a, a movie on, on film yeah. in the eighties for $32,000 and what he accomplishes, what he's doing in that movie. It's unbelievable. So that's the type of ingenuity. So if you even give Frank Henenlotter you know, uh, tens of thousands of dollars, he'll turn something out. But, you know, it took him upwards of five, six years before he was able to get another bite of the apple with brain damage. And then uh, shooting, uh, he shot Basket Case 2 and Frankenhooker back-to-back. I always thought br uh, br uh, Basket Case 2 and 3 were shot back-to-back, -back, but I guess I was wrong about that. But it was... It was those two it was frank and hooker and Vasquez too yeah yeah i just always thought because it's the exact same cast in mm -hmm. part two and three so i always assumed that and they look like they were shot at the exact same time but i guess they were not and um frank and hooker evolved out of a pitch he was pitching or he was trying to get money for basket case two i think and what happened was they were like what else you got and he just pulled Frankenhooker out of his ass. He literally in the pitch room just thought, oh, you know, this is the this is the idea. And then when they said, we'll give you money, he went home and wrote a script called Frankenhooker. However, I'm going to introduce a very um, what's what you call it? A controversial idea here. OK, I, I've seen Frankenhooker a bunch of times and I love it. And um you know, Bob, this was Bob's first full watch of Frankenhooker. I've seen, seen it. it watching it. I actually on Letterboxd, I said it was a rewatch because I've literally seen the whole movie, just not ever in one sitting. 
So this was Bob's first re first full watch start first to finish. concentrated full watch start to finish. But I there's not a part of this movie I haven't right actually ingested right prior. So um and as I'm watching it, I'm sort of uh one thought that's just uh burning into my brain is my god, this came out at the exact same time as Bride of Reanimator, and yeah. the plot is incredibly similar and i would say the only difference between the two although i have not looked at dates and times and i don't want to point fingers or say one thing or another but one seems to be heavily based on the other there is a phenomena out there and that's not to say one was actively trying to rip off another and they are absolutely different enough from each other to be considered two different movies. Just are you saying out there. are you saying that Frankenhooker is the deep impact to yeah. Pride of Reanimator's Armageddon? That's what I'm saying. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You said that's literally what I wanted to say. Okay, okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Uh, you you are like yeah. meatloaf. You took the words right out of my mouth just now. I, I, like absolutely took the words right out of my mouth. I okay, cool. I yeah, that was what I was gonna say. The idea that you know films get parallel de get developed in a parallel fashion all the time. The only reason why I thought in my mind maybe Frank Henlotter might have watched Bride of Reanimator and used it as a template. Let's say it like that. That maybe it was a template is because I believe that the Bride of Reanimator was a very developed story. They had a very developed idea that they went into and Brian Yuzna wanted to shoot society and he had Japanese money. And the only way he dangled Bride of Reanimator over their heads in order to shoot society. So society came first and then Bride of Reanimator. Society was right, 1989. Right. Bride of Reanimator was 1990, I believe. It might have also been 1989, but the, the two... The two, yeah, please check. The two scripts were were pretty much were pretty closely developed. Society yeah, and Brian. What was it? Nineteen ninety, same year. Nineteen ninety, same year. So, I mean, it could be argued that perhaps one was inspired by the other. The similar elements you have the dead girlfriend that's being that's the motivating source to bring uh, you know a bride of frankenstein type creature back to life what's up dagger love how are you hello hello um you have the cruel you have the the offbeat sort of um what's it called anti-social uh science. victor frankenstein yeah, yeah. science, science kind of guy yeah. Um, although I would say Jeffrey Franken is uh, pales in comparison to the brilliance of Jeffrey Combs is, um, I have even... so much to say about him because yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. We're going to get into it. You, you... I, there's, I can't, there's another <laughs> movie that I have to mention, but I, oh, like, I know what movie I know, you know what movie. exactly what movie I'm going to mention street trash. No, Oh no, you don't know what movie I'm going to. Oh, mention. okay. All right. I guess not. Yeah. Um, Rocky horror. No, you're oh, not okay. even on the right track, sir. Okay, okay, okay. You'll tell me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Point being is I was watching these two movies. I'm just going, they're incredibly, incredibly similar. What's up, Amy? How are you? Hello, um, Amy. Even down to the ending where you have Herbert West is overtaken by all of the hybrid creatures that he mm -hmm. has made. Same thing happens in... Frankenhooker, and instead of a gr glowing green reagent that's put directly on body parts to make them sort of connect together, it's a estrogen-based purple blood serum. 
in Frankenhooker. So it really feels like there, there's something going on. Great, here. It's a great minds think alike at the same I, time. I, I, that's what I want to believe. That's what I think, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. But I also think that the they're tone very similar. Is, they're similar. I feel like the tone is even sillier on the Frankenhooker end of things. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. Uh, like, <laughs> The dead set class. Yes, it is. It's incredibly silly. That's what I was gonna say. Like, so I've seen the entire movie before. Not just this is my friend. Sorry. Hey, hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. I've seen the entire movie before, but this is my first time just sitting down and like absorbing it. Right. Uh, like at in one sitting, which I can't believe because like, how did that I go this far in life without just like seeing all of Frankenhooker? Um, but I got it's like it's one of those movies and one of those like underground movies where a lot of human beings act and speak like they live on some other planet that's adjacent to Earth. That's adjacent to awesome. Earth. Frank I love it. No. That's Frank Hedden's Frank Hedenlotter. Yeah, that's like, you his could world. say that you could say that about a lot of his movies. And this one is no exception. And it, it makes me number one, I love it. It makes me laugh out loud the way people deliver lines and speak to each other. These pretzels and, are making me thirsty. Right, exactly. And the way that <laughs> the way that the plot unfolds is so like otherworldly odd. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Like I mean, the fucking lawnmower incident is laugh out loud hilarious. Like it just it comes out of close to nowhere. It's and it just it's just it's really funny. And it's so grisly. And, and you know. Way, the way yeah. the mom is just like, this is where I'm going to make my coleslaw next to yeah. your experiment with a brain. Well, we got to talk about the brain. We have <laughs> to talk brain. about the brain with the eyeball, which inexplicably, I mean, this is the never explained. Water. And, never and again, explained. although, you know, again, you have the eyeball, you have the eyeball with the fingers attached to it in, in too, right? uh, Bride of Ember. I'm saying there's yeah. a lot of similarities there. There's a lot. I don't know which one came first. Jeff, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewatch Bride of Reanimator. And I thought about that before you said it on this podcast. Yeah. Like I it, literally was like, I, I think I need to rewatch Bride of Reanimator while watching this. Which is far more, you know, Bride of Reanimator is goofy too, but there it's way there's way more pathos. Like there's actual yeah, yeah. pathos. And it's really, I mean, they're both listen, they're both masterpieces in their own way. Frank and Hooker is a masterpiece. Bride of Reanimator is a masterpiece. In I their own say, way is very important to say. Yeah. Yeah, in their own way. And I don't want to, I, you know, again, I'm I'm being really heavy-handed with the comparisons here, but it just excited. It, it came from excitement. I, I was think- like, Oh my god, I never realized this before. This movie is very much like this movie. That's so cool. Like, you know, Ta- that sort of thing. I, the fact that you're talking to me, I get what you're saying. I think most people would take the comparison, they would see Frank and Hooker as much lesser, but I think for the goals that Frank and Hooker is trying to attain, it's just as great. There's a message. There is a here's the other thing, too. There is oh, yeah, a there's a message in Frank strong, and Hooker. Sure. There is a strong social commentary. <laughs> running through Frankenhooker, like legit, like a legit, like an intelligent social message that is present. And I was a little shocked to see the trauma bumper at the um, top. Yeah. The top because I don't think Frankenhooker was a trauma movie. I, guess. I did not remember that. I was kind of surprised myself. I didn't know if that was a newer edition or it's not on the synapse. I have the synapse release because and... I know trauma requires uh, old movies and stuff. I thought I didn't know that right. it was original. I don't think it was originally a trauma movie. Was no, it? no, definitely not. Okay, but here's the thing. The other thing to remember here is that you have the New York 
scene of the 80s, like the New York independent horror movie scene, the 80s was slam-a-jamming. You had Frank Hemmenlotter doing his thing. You had uh, Gregory Lamberson all over the place. He he did Slime City. Um, and he also worked on I Was a Teenage Zombie. Then you had uh, Roy Frumke and the dude who made Spookies. I forget his name. Those guys, they did Street Trash. I mean, you had all, all these classic. And then you had Troma doing Toxic yeah, Avenger right. and Class Lucum High. I mean, it was... It was a, what a scene, and I'm sure I'm leaving out all sorts of. Uh, that's like uh, a. That's tidbit. like a. If I could time travel, I would want to go to that scene for a couple weeks and just experience what that was like. Greg was there for all of it, and I interviewed yeah. him a while, long while back, and like he worked, he worked on Street Trash, he worked on Brain Damage, he worked on I Was a Teenage Zombie, and he worked on he made Slime Slime City, yeah. you know, so. Can I, I? Okay, so let me get this out of the way because I have to talk about this. Go ahead. He's a lawyer. Uh, I yes. would agree with that, Amy. Amy, very much. I would so. agree with that, Amy. Yeah. Amy, Amy, you're right on the money with that. He is and the Lloyd. Course, we Kaufman. all love. Yeah, we all love trauma and Uncle Lloyd in our own way. We. I've, we, I have met Lloyd uh, several times. I had. I interviewed Lloyd for this yeah. channel a long time ago. I never released it. I don't know. Lloyd why. signed my <laughs> Miss Doubtfire poster for me twice. <laughs> twice. I brought it to two separate conventions, and he signed it twice. <laughs> uh, okay, so Jeff. Yeah. I'm. I'm admitting on this channel that I've never sat through all of Frankenhooker before today. It's nothing to admit to. It's just. I know. It's just Whatever. for a guy like me that is weird that I've not seen all of Frankenhooker. But okay, so I've come to this the the full vision of Frank and Hooker later in life. Yes, but let's hear it. A but a movie that I came to very early in my life that I saw a billion times that also has one James. What is it? James Lorin Lorenz. Yeah, James Lorenz in, and it's he's been in a lot of stuff. So I'm not. This is not a movie he probably might even want to remember he was in, but a very formative movie for me that most people probably hate or remember as terrible is the jerky boys movie okay i've never seen the jerky boys movie <laughs> okay maybe we should do that one day okay it's funny for you to watch because it's a literally a movie that was greenlit based on prank calls right yeah i know who the jerky <laughs> the i jerky know boys. who the jerky boys right. are I, I worship the fucking jerky yeah, boys back in i the bet day. you i bet you did oh my <laughs> god they were living gods in like high school they were like the jerky boys were the coolest guys ever so in the jerky boys movie they have a friend the two guys who play the jerky boys have a friend who they absolutely hate because he's kind of a sellout prick and his name is brett weir and he's the most annoying guy in a movie where everyone else is absolutely annoying. Like <laughs> everyone in the movie talks completely annoying. And the guy that they frame as the most annoying is this guy named Brett Weir. And he is played by James Lorenz. So the funny thing is my first and biggest like introduction to James Lorenz is that movie where he plays this like absolute annoying prick. And then, Frank and Hooker is 10 times funnier because that is my introduction to him because Frank and Hooker has entire scenes where he is literally forced to talk to himself 
Yeah, he, it's just <laughs> it's literally like, it's, it's like him just like talking. Twenty percent of the movie, twenty percent of the movie is dude. I'd say is, 30, 30 or forty almost. Yeah, like it's is him lot. literally just talking to himself, and then <laughs> and then deciding that he needs to stick a drill in his brain. Uh, yeah, let me just say, I, I, this is, is not an me. Awesome insult- touch, which is an I awesome am, touch. I love that. I'm not insulting Frankenhooker. Once I realized that it was going to be him, kind of almost down, damn near improving to himself and doing crazy shit like drilling into <laughs> his own head or just driving a car while also speaking to himself about what he sees, I was like, "This is incredible!" He's like, "Whoa, yeah!" With that, with that accent, here. with look that accent, this. yeah, and that voice, yep. He, it's such a thick accent. <laughs> I also want to say that Jeffrey Franken's name is very close to my name. That the well, that the, that's the my fra. name up into the up into the fr. That's yeah. my name, Jeffrey Fra and Jeffrey Franken. It's very similar, which which kind of was uh, 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 also uh, took me for a loop. I was like, whoa, I totally forgot that the guy's name is Jeffrey Franken in this. You should you should do him for Halloween. I I mean, okay, so. The genius, you know, when this movie became genius for me is is the is the drilling into yes. his head thing. Oh, it's so great. The rest of the movie to me played like I I totally remembered the scenes I had seen and I expected it to play. Right. But when I had I had no memory of him drilling into his head to get to relieve anxiety and get ideas is such an it's a twofold it's It's, such a it's a twofold situation i'm gonna relieve i'm gonna relieve (laughs) tension tension it also has history there's history to that right in medical science it's not like just random right there's actual history like he's like some people take drugs name for it um i don't know it's relieving pressure of the in the cranium i guess i don't know but yeah. this guy literally has holes in his head multiple holes and he no just, blood no blood. And he has to explain <laughs> to himself because there's nobody right. else in the room i've already bored the hole and i'm gonna just put the drill bit in he's explaining this to nobody he's just his mother knows that he has a brain with an eyeball <laughs> His mother knows that he has a brain in, with an eyeball in it floating around in a jar full of purple goo. <laughs> and she goes, oh, he's looking better today. He's looking better. Jeff, did he create that brain eyeball? I was or? trying to I was literally trying to write the origin of the eye of the brain eyeball. His mother, his future mother in law sees him with this thing. Yeah. His own mother, his fiance. And That's- I love how she's she's also, by the way. She it wants to make coleslaw not just next to the brain, but all of the dirty equipment, equipment. that he has out on the kitchen table at his parent, his in-laws' house during a picnic. No, during Why? a birthday, a birthday, birthday party. Why for is that for his like, dad-in-law? He's opera. He's playing with a brain with a giant eyeball in the kitchen while a birthday party is going on with his family. He's using a scalpel. <laughs> To lobot to partially lobotomize the brain to get it to move around, and then you know um, Patty Mullen, who plays uh, Frank Hooker, she was a former play uh, penthouse playmate. She, um, I, I saw slash met all of these people and got to have my I had my picture taken with Frank at uh, the New Jersey Horror Con and Film Festival, and it was a great honor to meet this uh, incredible man. And if you look on my channel. 
uh, Frank participated in Horror Boobs uh, game show with Lloyd Kaufman. It was me. I wasn't playing the game, but it was me uh, with Lloyd Kaufman. I mean, there was a lot of people. I wasn't the only sure, one. Sure, sure. It, yeah. was, it was Lloyd Kaufman, Ted Ramey. Um, oh, man. Frank Heidenlotter. And uh, uh, one of the dudes from from Freddy, uh, one of the Freddy movies, and uh, Tiffany, no, what's her name? The girl, uh, Tredis, Tiffany Tredis, Tiffany Amber Tredis. I don't know. She's in Tromeo and Juliet. She's in a bunch of okay, stuff. Okay, okay. Um, and they're playing uh, horror boobs, uh, circle against the square, and it was, and I was recording the whole thing with my cell phone. It was really, it was a tremendous time. It was just cool to like. Everybody All was hanging hitters, out. Right? Everybody was hanging out. I'm like, there's Ted Ramey. There's Frank Henenlotter. There's Lloyd Kaufman. It's fucking awesome. Patty, Patty Kaufman was there too. Patricia. That's great. Um, but um, yeah, so Patty Mullen, she plays Elizabeth Shelley, a take on Mary Shelley, and she gets uh she gets chopped up into bits. Let's talk a little bit about the newscast and how insensitive. <laughs> the newscast is about it's, the birthday party and it that's i mean that's another moment where i was like i was like okay this movie is absolute genius yeah of course because he's sitting there feeling bad and then the newscast comes on tv and it's just like so personally offensive to him <laughs> like and what happened and like it's just like insulting to the family of this deceased yeah. person it's it's truly hilarious honestly sure Sure. And, you know, and then, you know, they come to his door and he's like, I don't know nothing. He's like, so it's like, dude, this is your fiance and you absconded with her body parts. You could at least like pretend on some level to be upset. What would no, but, no, that Jeff, that's what I love about Jeffrey's performance. Sure. Me the too. Whole movie is, yeah. it's like all of these horrific, weird things are happening <laughs> and he's sort of supposed to be depressed, but he comes off as sort of like casual about most of sure. them. Like sure. all those women exploding. And he's oh, just yeah. like, Hey, I'll put you all back together. It's no big deal. Well, like, that's <laughs> what he says. He justifies to himself. He goes, I'm not giving them the super crack. They're doing it. They're themselves. doing it themselves. He's, he's justifying his nefarious. Right. And let's yeah. just talk about, let's talk about Jeffrey and his wants and why he's doing what he's doing. You know, he, he wants to bring, he wants this to bring the commentary comes in, right? Oh, oh yeah, for the, sure, the, for sure. There's a there's a there's a misogynistic commentary to Jeffrey. Huge, and things, huge. It's it's giant. Well, it's not just it's not just that he's a misogynist, but it also it's it's what is it saying about um, what is it saying about women and you know expectations for bodies and don't well, eat those pretzels because they'll go to your hips. And... I mean, they, they frame her. I, this is also for a special effects reason. Like they frame her as bigger. So right. They put her together with other women. Which is that, genius. Absolutely genius. 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 But yeah, th it's like this whole thing where they frame her as not even obese. She's just slightly overweight. Apparently you can't really tell in the she's shot. She's voluptuous, man. She's yeah, not even she's... overweight at all. That's yeah. The when they were part. saying that, I was like, she's uh, okay. It's like, She's not, she's not head. Like, I live in America in 2022. She is not. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, a lot of, there are a lot of different uh, people body, that would be interested in that body. So, you know, body positivity, baby. All bodies right. are loved. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's, yeah, we, God, that's so, like but whole... he's, so he loves her, but he is 
not happy with her current stasis of her body basically like in she, before she gets the lawnmower or after well obviously I, well, after, but they don't really they, he doesn't really say it before but it's obvious with all of his words after she dies where he talks about i'm gonna make your body better than it ever was he's constantly talking about that that's it's he like, sees it as an opportunity yeah this he sees an that opportunity. opportunity i'm gonna make my wife hotter right so this is all actually right. kind of a net good because i can bring you back to life and you can be hotter it's pretty messed up and in a lot you know of ways. And the other but thing, it, you know it's a that's the tone of the movie though it's it's a, but it's not know. just him it's it's yeah. her mother it's it's it's, it's everybody friends. it's society it's everybody it's yeah it's society around around her but yes he basically i'm going to take your head and he has this fascination with taking you probably should have got a woman to talk about this <laughs> But we would have been nice to have. We should have had we some feminine, some feminine energy on here to, yeah, uh, help elaborate. We're, but that's okay. We're, we're acknowledging talking. we're both dudes talking about. That's this. okay. We're allowed yeah. to talk about this we stuff. Are. We're talking. Yeah. They're tackling what we're really doing is we're tackling the misogynistic angle from the male gaze, and that is something I think we're he's both sort qualified. Of, he's sort to. of a like a clueless misogynist. Like he he has that's no what it is. clue he's that cl- he is. How horrible his views he's are! He's an ignorant misogynist. Ignorant, he's ignorant. Yeah, he's, he's ignorant, ignorant to, like, if you were to sit down and try to have some sort of intellectual conversation about all these things, he probably would go, "Yeah, okay, yeah, I see your point. Yeah, that's okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's, that's my. <laughs> he's stuff. also ignorant to human suffering and flesh and people's like you know lives being <laughs> lost. Like he's completely ignorant as a character. However, except for science. However, the only when, thing he gets. No, but when you know when he sees the 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 two prostitutes making out, he goes, "That's unnatural." <laughs> I was gonna say he's also homophobic. <laughs> so he's which like, is "Weird." Calm yeah. down. That's unnatural. Not me giving you something I developed called super Not crack. Super crack, right? To make you explode so that I could harvest your body parts to make a <laughs> body for like, my dead fiance's head i i'm laughing but i want to say like i don't find misogyny and homophobia funny but the way the movie the tone of this movie and his character caricature is hilarious like no it's the examination of the examination of it is hilarious of homophobia and misogyny is what's funny it's It's totally funny yeah, yeah i mean and it's and it's just done it's it comes off as brilliant scathing satire and i will say to compare and contrast with Bride of Reanimator. Bride of Reanimator deals with cons like pat like romantic pathos. It's almost like a proto Return of the Living Dead three in that way. Uh, it's dealing with um you know like loss, like real loss and and you know uh, of a deep vo- wanting to fill a deep void in one's heart, uh, feeling guilt over death and yada, 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 and bringing somebody back. I think is in contrast to what Frankenhooker is giving us. Like, yes, it's about him losing the person he loves, but his version of love is so surface in every way. And like this guy really just doesn't want to be alone. He doesn't really love her specifically. He just doesn't want to be alone. And he wants to rebuild the person that loved him. Because he's he's kind of a he's kind of selfish and horrible. He's selfish, horrible human being. <laughs> it's really he is, terrible. And he's literally like I could sit there and watch him for hours. On I know, and on, he's got this, and he's got that voice, which is like makes it all the funnier 
He that, steals the show. He chews the scenery in Street Trash too as the bellhop. I mean, it goes yeah, yeah. on and on. Those scenes go on and on because he. Can like I said, that. dude, they cast him in the Jerky Boys movie as the guy with the annoying voice. Right, in the Jerky Boys movie. There's right. a reason for that. <laughs> for sure, for sure, and I love how. You know, I love how he's like, he always has like a very, he has a very ghoulish appearance to him. And it kind of goes yeah. in. He's not a leading man. Drilling. No. In any way. Like, that's why it's great. Like, Hollywood when he was at, man, he's the opposite. When yeah, he was dude. at that convention, he was dressed up like the doctor with the, <laughs> the reflective thing. It was yeah, great. Yeah. It was really great. And he's synthesized this. So he's really goop. into it. He's really yeah, into it. He's really yeah, into yeah. it. He's he's into his identity as Jeffrey Franken. And I love that. I love That's him great. even more for that. And, you know, he so he synthesized a lot of things. There are a lot of elements that are not explained and they don't have to be explained. At I don't all. In, in, in script writing terms, you would call a lot of this stuff double mumbo jumbo. Which doesn't need to really be explained. I don't right. need like to the know purple it. Goo. We don't need to know. I don't know how it works. How the purple sticky goo works. We just need to know that it's sticky. And you know what? I else don't know how he's, he's. Oh well, I would say riot stickers are sticky. Riot stickers are the stickiest stickers you're ever gonna find sticking to stuff because riot stickers stick better than all the competitors. Do you, do you know about Riot Stickers? Riot Stickers, they power the Frumus channel. They are our sponsor. We love Riot Stickers. Check out these stickers. These are two in, two and a half by three inch stickers. But we're doing a special deal with Riot Stickers. And basically for, th uh, for $79, you can get a thousand three inch by three inch stickers. So you're actually going to get a little bit more real estate than what you're seeing right here. Now, what makes these stickers so special, Bob? What is it that makes these stickers so special? Besides I would the fact say that Riot the quality stickers? and the price. It's definitely the quality and the price, but you want to know what else it is? It's the UV coating that Sharpie Riot, oh, CEO, okay. CEO of RiotStickers.com, he puts a UV coating on top of the image, and it protects your image, your brand, your mark from the sun. He also prints them on vinyl so that they are waterproof. These stickers stick, baby. That's what they do. They stick, and that's all there is to it. So you can get a thousand stickers for $79. That's seven cents per sticker. And there's only one place you're going to get it, Bob. There's only one place you are going to get a thousand stickers for $79. I can take a guess. Up. I can take one guess. What do you think that is? Take, take your guess. It's Go ahead. obviously 100% obvious. It is Amazon.com. No, I'm kidding. It's RiotStickers.com. <laughs> Bob is yes, Bob was right. Yes, no, it's riotstickers.com, but it's yeah. not just riotstickers.com. You need to go to the link down in the description. It's riotstickers.com backslash from us. That's the only place you're going to get this deal. There's no promo code. We used to have a promo code. It was from us, F R U M is in Mary E S S from us, like the name of the channel. That doesn't work anymore. If you want this special deal, you have to click the link down in the description right below where it says thundergrunt.com, which is all things which is all things Bob Rose. And you click on ridestickers.com backslash from us, and it will take you to that place and you can get that special deal. Um, do not miss out on this deal. Um, and now a word from the guy who sings in less than Jake. If I could find, it really saddens me that there was a dog named Jake. I always thought that he was referring to the idea that everything's Jake. That was an old, euphemism in the 50s oh everything's jake meaning everything's on the up so i love the idea of being less than jake meaning like it's not okay it's, it's not really okay. cool yeah, yeah i love that
Hey, yo, hey, what yo. a catchy song. What a catchy song. It never leaves our head. It's drilled into our skull, just like Jeffrey Franken. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Brian. I saw Brian post this on Facebook during that little break. Brian, you have to go and watch Frankenhooker. If you have not seen it, you will absolutely love it. Um, so what should we dive into? Let's dive into the the sort of the 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 theme, the the misogyny, the misogynistic theme. We sort of talked about a little bit. Basically, he's obsessed with parts and he goes and he finds women, women are pieces of flesh. Yeah, nothing to, more to this guy. To this guy. I'm not saying that. To this guy, they are right. Yeah. And he go he even draws, you know. He basically gets works out a situation. There's this guy, Zorro, who also this dude is also in brain damage. Uh, this guy, Zorro, he's like a bodybuilder or something. And he's great. You go into this. Place oh, he's called, wonderful. He, uh, his line deliveries cracked me up, man. That Well, you could tell that he's not really an actor. And frankly, most. <laughs> Why of the, do you think I'm saying they cracked me up? Right. Most yeah. of most of the people on the street. This was filmed in Times Square in the 80s. And most of the people on the street are absolutely prostitutes. Those are all real prostitutes um, that, you know, again, that was, you know, Frank Henlotter had a budget. He had he had two. I think it was two point five million dollars to make this movie. One of the biggest budgets he ever had. And still, you know, like any good, you know, independent filmmaker like like the almighty Larry Cohen. If you get an opportunity to steal, steal a shot, you steal a shot. You know, it also kind of says something about like the reality of like needing to get people's like releases, which you technically need to do, but it's also kind of bullshit, man. You could be like George Romero and see that there's a parade happening and film your scene weaved into the parade. No one's going to come after you. It's okay. It's going to be okay. If they um, do, it's just good publicity for the movie. Yeah, it's not. It's really nothing to worry about. It's like yeah. I feel like that's something that you worry about if you're. I don't know. I just feel like it's not nothing to worry about. And in this case, you just have a lot of real people in their real professions, um, street professions, if you will, uh, uh, all over the place. And uh, Jeffrey Franken, he goes hunting for uh, parts, and that brings him first. He, he wants does, to kidnap he does, stewardesses. He does struggle at the beginning with how to get her back together remember there's like like him trying to figure out what to do he wants to use stewards stewardesses from eventually yeah eventually he lands on oh i can i can hire women and right. then use their parts yeah right he's like i can literally buy anything that i want so there's this euphemism yeah. of women selling their bodies and you know him his right to do anything he wants with them right oh great Mm, mm, good bob good right. i that was straightforward i mean and it's pretty blunt it's not it like is no but yeah. i i wasn't able to get that into words you did it you did it well and then on the tv you have like this little clip what's supposed to be like the the robert down the robert morton downey jr show and you have this woman she works for an organization called hooker that's the it's like um something something knowledge rights worker whatever talking you know basically saying what i think frank henlotter is really trying to say in that oh yeah that was the work is work and we all deserve to be you know that was the uh there you ever heard of a classroom scene in a movie you know what a classroom scene is it's it, usually in the classroom of a scene of any movie they say the theme if there is a classroom right 
I yes. So so like yes. it can just be it's just a term that means the classroom scene. I would call that commercial or that that segment on television the classroom yes. scene of this movie where that woman like you said she is stating the point and the theme of this very silly movie but it actually is a really good like theme saying sex work is work and right. women are more than just things they deserve right. you know to be treated properly you know all right. this which Great goes stuff. to show, and you know, what's interesting is, you know, I don't exactly I don't exactly know what's interesting is this movie is loaded with uh gratuitous nudity, female nudity. And you could say part of it, it's partially there because it's there for the story and it makes sense for it to be there. But a part of it also feels like it's there. I also feel like this is Frank Henenlotter's big like shot at really breaking out and and establishing his career um, where he could be making a movie every year, you know, and needing a movie that was going to make a lot of money and, you know, going the route of the more gratuitous nudity we can have in it, the better it, Hey, good. It's good that it actually works for the movie from a thematic and story perspective. But like the more that we have, the better that maybe I'll, you know, this will, this will do good, big numbers, big but, business. I mean, I would say that there is all the nudity is still like punctuated by either being extra in extraordinarily silly conditions no, or, absolutely. Or absolutely. in a horrific, like, you know, when we finally see like the breasts of the Frankenhooker, they're painted blue, the nipples are blue or purple, purple, purple or, or like the. I guess like, you could say it's all motivated. The, it is, it's right, all it's motivated. motivated. It's in, all motivated. In, in the super crack scene, when you do see nudity, it's in the super crack scene. Nothing about that scene is sexy or sexualized in a way for the audience so you know what it, i mean so maybe it's not gratu so gratuitous would mean that it would it, that there's no point for it to be gratuitous there would be like if it if it was shot in order to titillate in my opinion i'm just saying like oh no, i th okay yeah it's definitely nothing, there to titillate it's definitely there to titillate on some level for sure oh it, sure it, it has, i mean just yeah. having just having breast on there but like in the context of it's the good time, for business it's good only for business the only time i would maybe argue that it was there is when the woman takes her breasts out in the window of the car. Like, but sure. even then it's like, that serves the story for what he's cause then the guy, cause then Jeffrey's like, Oh, that's exactly what I need. You know, you what? know what I mean? Every yeah. here's, here's, here's the reality. Every single, I'm thinking about it now, every single piece of nudity, mm -hmm. sir. And if we're saying that gratuitous is meaning titillating, there is some of it is titillating, but every single piece of nudity absolutely is there to serve the story. Uh, much sure, yeah, to the credit no. of much to the credit of Frank Henenlotter. It's that, either extremely silly or gory, like one of the two. Like right. The super the nudity in the super crack scene. None none of that scene is shot like it's supposed to be sexy or it's. <laughs> or I don't know. I mean, anything. you just have. I mean, you just have. They're just randomly out with their tits. They didn't right. have to have their tits out. But a part of me thinks that, like, the part of me that was watching that, and I'm thinking from the mentality of somebody trying to, you know, do business. And what are the? What was the thing? You know what's so interesting? And I noticed this today. Um, and maybe it has to do with the fact the rise of like the internet and what is accessible on the internet. Mm -hmm. But I find that mo there's so much genre and horror stuff that actually no longer contains 
gratuitous or you know motivated nudity anymore because or if there is nudity i yeah it it doesn't show it doesn't show all the you know all the bits and i think part of that reason is because in the 80s and the 90s when it was a lot harder to have access to video of this stuff that there was like this sort of like gray area where like if people did not want to be renting adult movies but wanted to see a pair of tits that they could and now it's so compartmentalized and so neat. Like, you don't need Mr. Skin now. Right. Right. You don't need him. And I say this as somebody who managed a video store for half a decade with the biggest porn room in my state and still had guys like I literally had guys that would come in with the Mr. Skin book and spend all day finding VHS tapes around. Right. And you I know, also had you know people who that McBeardo were was, right? You, did you know McBeardo? uh yes i believe it did yeah yeah he used to work he used to work for mr skin great guy yeah great guy um but i i literally was at the the tail end of that experience of right people renting porn that was right it was a whole industry there was a whole industry around or a whole business around hey if you go to this movie to this window you're gonna see see this actress yeah. yeah I remember, so Jeff, like, I, this is just a story that I have. It's really short. Sure. I had this guy, he would bring the Mr. Skin dictionary in with all the pages he wanted bookmarked. Like, th- it was this thick. I'm not even kidding. He would come in and he would spend almost my entire eight hour shift with, with me in the store, looking up VHS tapes, having me look up for him. And then one day, the one time I just, because I, you know, you're not supposed to ask the customers anything, especially when it came to porn, but he wasn't getting porn. So, I said one day to him, I was like, hey, I know you love doing this and stuff, but I was like, just curious, you know, we have a back room where where you could like, you know, just get videos with naked people in them without any stuff you have to wade through. And he looked at me and he goes, all those women, they don't have any class. <laughs> I went, oh, OK. I, but his, that, his, I, his, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying that's that's what that type of guy was like back then. You know, I disagree no, with him, and I was just like, uh, I'm not going to say anything else. But what's interesting is that he's coming from a place of like his kink, whatever that guy's kink was. Like it almost like it's almost like he needed to see somebody naked who wasn't intentionally really trying supposed to, be to naked. Yeah, that's for, what for pornography pornographic reasons. Was right, okay. he yeah. needed somebody to be. I'm not defending that guy because I think he was kind of a dick. And he no, was also, no obviously a misogynist. No one, no one is defending. But, no one's defending. No, no. But it was a really interesting moment. We're just, the, just trying to understand. eight hours in a video store. No, just trying these VHS tapes. Yeah. Just trying to understand why, <laughs> why he'd be yeah. motivated to do that. That's my, that's what I could come up with in my mind. But it's interesting how, in perhaps, and again, I'm just I don't actually know any of these things. I am just as as a person who has tried to make movies in the past trying to imagine an independent filmmaker in the late eighties, early nineties, trying to make money. Right. I mean, that's, you know, on some level you're with a movie like Frankenhooker, whether you have a smart message in it or not, you know, a title like that could really sell. I mean, it's essentially sounds like an adult film without actually being an adult film. And the reality you know, it's is a porn, it's a porn title. If it never existed, right. It would be a porn title now. Right. For sure. You know? And yeah. you want to know something? 
what's interesting about Frankenhooker is it's not a horror movie. It really isn't. It's a no, comedy. It's a it's, comedy. Yeah. It's a comedy. It would get it gets put in horror sections. You'd find it in any horror section. You're not gonna you, find it in a if comedy. If you go to a, if you go to a horror con, that's where you see all the Frankenhooker merch and t-shirts, sure. and all, all the artwork and everything. It lives in that space, but it's not horrific nor scary in any way, shape, or form. No, it is. It it's is not. absolutely more. Which of a is comedy. great. I, I love that. Yeah. That's that's actually more my style than most horror movies. So I love this. Yeah. I mean, really, it's I I would say even more so. It's a it's a cult movie, is what it is. It's yeah. more cult than than anything else. But what's interesting, I just find it interesting that you know it's just an interesting how times have changed because you look at so there's so many films now, and when you see somebody get naked now, it is for such a specific. Reason. reason and it's not just like it's not just yeah. like that times have changed like progressive like progressive like values have changed it's just that it's just that it no longer commercially or creatively suits storytelling at this yes. point in time anymore. I, I would say that the you're there's twofold where your thing about porn is absolutely true people aren't searching for it in their normal entertainment but I've also noticed in my travels on film Twitter, there is a ongoing debate slash complaint that movies, mainstream movies are no longer horny anymore. I have seen this time and time again where, and it's, and it's not, this is not like a left first right debate or something like that. It's, you know, it's mostly film people, much like me and you with the same set of values, but they're saying like, you know, it's okay to have movies where people are horny and fuck. And are naked as long as it's treated properly and it's not you know what i mean yeah, like, i would like, i would agree with that but sure but but even tasteful ways of that are missing now from our films yeah they're just missing and some people want them back some people don't you're not it's gonna find phase. that in marvel and dc but you know what find it's it a not, phase no. it's a phase and it yeah. will eventually find its way back just the way everything is a phase and this right. is the phase currently and you know what frankly right now I'm saying this now is like almost like a realization because I that's how little I missed it quite clearly. I don't like, need never I don't a need, time. I don't need titillation from my normal movies if I'm honest. I'll I'll happily watch it. No, I don't, but like, you know, growing up like, you know, the things that I thought about were, you know, like tits and gore. Like I was like, okay, it's, it's got a lot of tits, it's got a lot of gore. Great, you know. And then it's funny how like now I was never like that, Jeff, to be honest with you. Well, I'm not, was, I'm not, that's not a judgment. I'm just saying, no, I mean, that, you know, brain. it was like a, you know, 14, 15 year old, you know, brain. I need tits. You I see, need gore. That's I, as <laughs> I said, you've seen the stuff I've made. None of it really yeah, yeah. has, it, if anything, there's more naked men. I mean, <laughs> I, like, I made more a naked movie, men, you know, what's funny is I actually made a movie that has a simulated, actually, I guess it's technically, it's an unsimulated uh, sex act on a, not a person on on an object um for a very specific reason as it relates to a character sure um motivated artistically in that kind of way but what's interesting i had a guy fuck a microwave you know what can you do man art oh i didn't even think about the fact that he also fucks a melon and he also fucks a melon too right that, that's right that's right he does he does this yeah. is uh, my character he's I have a character who he's never had sex before, so he can't imagine what it's like to have sex with a human being. So his sexual experiences revolve around food, uh, yeah. revolve around things that he is able to have sex with. And 
you know, like just like a subtle little like character thing that, you know, gives you an excuse to fuck a melon. I mean, well, so (laughs) anyone listening, the two shorts that I've shown Jeff that I know he's watched, one has a guy fuck a microwave and the other has a fart fetish where people are obsessed with people farting on their hands. This is true. Yes. Time microwave. But so like there's sex in our movies. It is not sexy sex or if you want to see yeah like you, you know, know what i mean it's not for those reasons it's if not you want to see carrot fellatio or or you know melon masturbation right <laughs> it's it's there it's available I, I definitely love putting sex in all my movies or if i can i just don't want it to be normal sex like that's no boring. i want it to be yeah. absolutely unnormal i want it to be <laughs> abnormal no, for, sex yeah abnormal sex no for yeah. real though for real for no real, I'm, for real. I'm totally being serious and yeah. you know it's just interesting i don't know it's i just find that really interesting that it's just not and if you do if you do have anything like you know again for me personally like yes like i don't mind seeing people like fucking and it's like it's cool like that's great but like if i see two people kiss and then like go to bed like i just okay they fucked and that was it like okay that the relationship has been taken to the next level in the show and that's that and that's fine blah, blah, you don't blah. need them you don't need the mcgruber scene where they have actual sex right i don't need the team yeah. america world police scene. well yeah, i yeah. do actually i do yeah. i do need that scene oh no i mean so mcgruber and both mcgruber <laughs> and uh uh, the microwave was off. Um, I'm answering the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there. I was going to say to bring it to bring it back to uh, Frankenhooker too. There is not too much that I think it's very surprising and awesome, except for that one shot in the bathroom where somebody's fucking in the bathroom stall. There is not a sex scene in this movie. That is actually a really great little because so they go into this. So there's this bar called Bad Eggs in Spanish. <laughs> what a terrible name! Well, because in no, I know, because, I get it, I get it. It's just funny, but it's supposed to be like bad balls. Like I'm a yeah, bad yeah. dude, you know, yeah. like bad wave. I think it was something huevos. Uh, also, and, eggs, ovaries. There's probably something there with the. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe with maybe. the parts of women, you know. Um. But this guy Zorro, he's a pimp, and he he called. Oh yeah, that's the other thing too. His like home base is the bathroom of this place. Right. Everybody's smoking crack because it's the eighties. They're fucking in the bathroom stalls. They're fucking, and he just stands in the middle, holding court with his arms crossed. He doesn't have a desk. Uh, Jeff, the fact that he has no desk is hilarious to me. He's just standing there with his arms crossed. Like, what business you need? That's it. Right. And and you know. And there's like a preacher guy who's missing teeth and bald with a beard who's like whispering into his ear and he's like, here's here's what you need. Here's some crack. And he like gives him crack to smoke. It's absolute chaos in this room. It's oh, it's chaos. just absolute chaos. So he's just surrounded by people. <laughs> he's probably getting a secondhand high from all this crack smoke. He has to be. <laughs> he turns to Jeffrey Frank and he's like, yeah, I got these girls on the glass diet. Because here's the thing. Zorro and Jeffrey Franken are one in the same. They both possess women. Right. Zorro, every chance he gets, Zorro says, these are my bitches. My bitches. They belong to me. To Zorro, this is his property. He brands them with Zs on their arms. 
which is a plot device that's a little i don't know would you call that a, that's not a MacGuffin. what is that that's like uh i mean it's a setup and a payoff i mean yeah that way you know that that she didn't have she definitely didn't have a z on her arm when she died so right. now they, all you got to do is draw a z on her arm after she's put back together with other parts and it's a great little makeup right premise idea that works you know? and i love how she you know jeffrey makes her you know jeffrey is not i guess <laughs> he's misogynist he's not racist because he he uses you know, all parts from a yeah, all room of exploded women right and so she has different shades of skin because she has different arms and legs and things Don't which you i find thought it was weird nice that he doesn't i thought just, that was nice it's so <laughs> odd to me i mean it's i think it's premise specific that he needs to make the perfect woman for many other women but it's so right. funny which was that, not his intention which was not his but intention it's just funny initially. that he just doesn't get another woman and just switch the heads right it's or, so it's like why is this so extra complicated it's hilarious but well what's interesting is the, the real to really solve his problem all he has to do is just go to on a dating website or whatever and just meet a woman and replace elizabeth that's that's like all you have to do like that's what he if he wants to you know be with someone he doesn't want to be alone um instead he's having pizza aka an, an italian uh, dinner there's a sicker <laughs> version of this movie where he replaces his like mother's head with his lover's head or something like there that, definitely you know? is there's like a there's psycho a much psycho yeah, yeah yeah you can go there if you wanted to um i'm not saying i wanted it to go there i just there's a sicker version there's a sicker version and we get a really good frankenstein reanimation scene the classic you know uh lightning storm uh some then, really good then, optical effects and patty mullins like hilarious take on the frankenstein like walk and you know his yeah she's great and she does yeah, a she's great th job yeah she goes all in it's it's amazing there's actually something really dark and sad about her about that and i know well, it's dark really is her just saying yes they, they don't ever explain i guess <laughs> there's a weird like otherworldly like the flesh holds all of our spirit memories. in it yeah memories trauma. and stuff yeah because i was like she's saying all these lines that uh call girls or prostitutes would say to john's no that were actually said in the movie there was she, that's what i'm saying yeah. that's, that's what i'm saying they're said in the movie but they weren't said by her brain or her mouth but because she but she's attached to these parts and now her brain is reacting to the flesh well, there's as real though... science there's real science behind this in that there are people right. that get heart transplants yeah. that suddenly get cravings for foods that they never like they never had right had or can in i believe do not quote me unless you have to do a quick google i could be making this up off the top of my head i don't think i am <laughs> that they even have learned or no languages and also play instruments that they i'd have to look before. that up I'd have to look. I that up. I think you know I'm making that up. I don't think so, but I think I might be making that up. As a child of the '90s, it reminds me of the Treehouse of Horror with the evil toupee. Sure, like the, the Simpsons sure. with the evil Which toupee, is actually based on uh, body bags, John right. Carpenter's right. body bags. Right, right. But I saw the Simpsons first. No, <laughs> no, no. Body Sorry, bags. body parts. No body parts. Body parts. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not. not I'm just saying, as bags. a kid, I wasn't shown that. As a kid, it right. was just the Simpsons episode, which is a great, which is a it's great a great episode, right? Episode. Yeah. But the the point is, is that like, yeah, it's this idea that there is cellular memory and that it can be right. inherited and transferred, and so the idea 
that she's like echoing which is these exceedingly deep for this silly movie. super fucking deep and yeah unexplained really completely unexplained it's, all, it's like it's movie. almost like the collective trauma that these women yeah. have experienced is bubbling up through the only outlet it has which is this new head yeah and so you know there's a movie that i know you haven't seen but you have to i can't recommend this movie enough it's by one of the dudes who what if i have seen it you if you have seen it i'll be super happy but i don't think you have it's by the director of tragedy girls and it's called patchwork and it's about you do you have to watch this movie you have to have to have to watch this movie it's three women who are frankenstein together into the same body trying to figure out who did this to them and they all share the mind and so it's just them like normal like not frankenstein in a kitchen but that's a metaphor for the mind so they're all in there like talking about how they want to do things and stuff it's brilliant. It's absolutely cool. brilliant. And it's really, really fucked up body horror. Like, it's terrifying. It's a terrifying story. Like, the older I get, the more fucked up Frankenstein is to me. When you're younger, Frankenstein is just a monster. It's but fun. When, but, yeah, when you think about Frankenstein for five minutes, you realize how what, genius it is, number one. Yes, absolutely genius. But, like, the yeah. idea, how terrifying it would be that you are life created from death and that your body is not doesn't belong to you. Also, and, yeah. It, just, I mean... I mean, whenever I think about Frankenstein, and now when I think about Frank and Hooker, as I get older and start to fall apart more, and you know, as we feel death creeping upon us, oh, and God. you realize how easy it is for the body to fail in so many minuscule ways. Oh God, I'm shuddering. Thinking, just... Well, I'm just saying, thinking about putting a body back together and reanimating it, it's such a. Terrifying. I'm not. I'm not. Well, it's terrifying, but I'm not insulting the stories. I'm saying it's such an implausible act. To actually yeah. put a body back together to make it work, like every vein and stuff being connected back to each other and somehow working in that fashion is insane. Well, if it, because, especially if it was decomposed, you know. Right, right. Well, I'm just saying Frankenstein's like a reverse of the natural order in such a catastrophic way. It's you know what I mean? It's so it's reverse. reverse. Yeah, like it, beyond it's reverse. It's like right. it, it is truly, you know, even if you are an agnostic or an atheist, it mm-hmm. is sacrilegious it's almost sacrilegious in its yeah it's disgusting even just, it just from a goes human yeah it just right. goes against yeah. every law of nature you know what it is it is so it is so purely distilled from the human ego and id that's mm-hmm. how it goes against the universe literally the idea that man could be god that man is going to take uh, go against the natural order of things and is going to perversely reverse death or think that it's reversing death. And instead, or that's not even reversing death. It's like creating new life while also fighting death. It's all, it's like actually it's the worst possible thing. No, you it's do. imitating a semblance it's, of life. Yeah. It's reanimation it's is not creation. life. Yeah. 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 Reanimation is not technically life. Reanimation is and, just consciousness. And that's why Frankenstein will be an immortal story that will never get old. It just won't. It's the first, it's the first science fiction yeah. story. It's the first like real modern horror story. Give it, it up is, to Mary Shelley, man. Talk about it's the goat. It's the goat, man. Yeah. It really is the fucking goat. And you know, what's funny. I've never read it. Like the actual story. You have, I have I've never read the you story. You gotta read off. it. You gotta read I it. I have man. it upstairs with and it's annotated. It's the annotated Frankenstein, which means that in the outer rim and i just haven't cracked it i yet. just i just realized that if mary shelley 
came back to life, which is funny in itself. And I said, and you said, Hey, Mary Shelley, uh, I've seen Frank and hooker like 30 times, but I've actually never read your whole book. It's true. man. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Yeah. Although you probably should read Frankenstein, Jeff. I, you know, you've seen, it, you've seen like the universal Frankenstein, right? Of course. Okay. Right I'm just there. making sure you've seen yeah, the, OG. But the book is way different. I, you know, my favorite, have you seen the, the Robert Frank De Niro Frankenstein? That's my favorite one. I like that movie Fucking and people love hate that it. Version. People love hate it. that movie. Love it. I am a diehard champion of that movie. Because you know people hate that movie, right? I, with a passion. And I just, I literally will judge people. I'll be like, hey, do you love that movie or do you hate that movie? And if you love that movie, like I you're love one it. of the good ones. Yeah, Bob, you're one of the good ones. Because I got to tell always you, loved it. there's it's no so reason the to hate it. Times. There's no reason to hate that movie. It's so fucking great. It, it gets the same hate that Waterworld gets for some ridiculous well, reason. Well, Waterworld's a masterpiece without question, so everyone right. can go to hell. Everybody can go to hell. <laughs> yeah, Waterworld um, rules. It, the cable guy was rules. right, okay? Yes. Yeah. That's true. But, yeah. um, but yes, I, I absolutely want to read it. I have it upstairs. You know you know how it is with books. You buy I'm, I'm a, you buy my favorite a book, you just leave it, it up. You leave it. I get, no, I got you. I do that. I have tons of books I haven't read. But, right. Of that, the classics like that, I'm still a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde man. In fact, that might be my favorite of those ever. That might be one of my, might be my favorite book is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But Frankenstein is up there, man. Like it's, it's up there. It's good. Well, I'm really glad. It's that great. I have the, what am I saying? It's good. It's great. I'm glad that I have the annotated version, which, like I said, like gives you definitions for certain, like, you know, difficult language, like all that sort of stuff. So you can have the commentary to go with the novel, which is, uh, I just but feel still, you enriched. should jump in naked, just jump in naked to the original. I will. Text. I will. I very much will. I know in the book, yeah. one thing I know is that they don't even like show what happens. They don't, we don't know the dark process. It just, he's just brings him to life, which I think is, which, in, you know, what's kind of interesting because maybe when Mary Shelley was writing it, maybe she couldn't imagine what kind of process could do it. And in her mind, like, I, why do I have to explain it? I'll just jump to the, they Mary Shelley it, inherently right? knew that she didn't need to explain the double mumbo jumbo. Right. That's what yeah, I'm saying. She just, like she just she knew it just needed to happen. I don't need to she explain goes, how it just needs to happen. I don't need to explain how whenever and... you have someone say like, you know what? In Avengers, they didn't explain how the time travel worked. And you say, yeah, Mary Shelley didn't explain how the science worked in Frankenstein. What do you want? You don't need to. It's just that it's a plot device to get us there, to get us right. to where we need to go. That's it. Right. That's how you tell right. a story. You know, I don't yeah. need to know the technical details of it i love that man i really do i really yeah. do and the thing is the thing that works about frankenstein so well is that you can tell it's the story that i never get sick of this story and it's a story yeah. that you can tell over and over and over again if i ever told you this Jeff, so many like, different ways yeah growing what? up so my my entire this is probably super obvious, but my entire education on film growing up from two parents who were not into cinema was from my father who only liked comedy movies. So right. for me, yes, me until probably like this the aughts, I didn't actually know that Young Frankenstein wasn't the Frankenstein. I thought oh, wow. Young Frankenstein was just normal Frankenstein. <laughs> so I assumed Frankenstein was a comedic character for a good portion of my life. I didn't know it was actually you just thought Peter Boyle was the way. I thought Peter Boyle was, was the way. Yeah, I did. I didn't because my dad didn't show me the real Frankenstein. He just showed me young Frankenstein a thousand times. So uh, listen, I, I've seen Edison's Frankenstein. I've seen uh, Wales Frankenstein, uh, you know, and that's a beautiful thing about a story 
you know, people can come. There are some stories that like Frankenstein is such a universal story, like that could be it adapted can, it, in so many ways. Yeah. It's just so there's so many different movies that you would never expect to be a Frankenstein story. Actually, that might be a really good top five top five Frankenstein stories that you wouldn't think are Frankenstein stories. You have to really think about it, but you like have to go it's deep. definitely you have to go deep. Yeah. It's definitely possible in the same way that like, look at like the universal, there's a universal nature to another James whale film. And that is the old dark house, I mean, which is the basis for the Rocky horror picture show. Like if you gonna, think that the Rocky horror picture show is to just think that was bait was no no, no that it's uh, the old dark house i know well, yeah saying, and frankenstein and right, frankenstein right. too it is obviously also frankenstein i just was about to say it's also a frankenstein movie. i totally forgot that well see jeff it's like frankenstein isn't just about that type of story you could also say like it's it's become a metaphor for a lot of uh story tropes and premises like that's uh, why i'm, try I'm trying to think like five frankenstein this is a really that... weird one this is why i'm a really weird one i could use this i guess but i won't for the top five but you could say like rocky five is a frankenstein story sure rocky, rocky creates his own monster that's out of his trope. own need to keep fighting that's the, trope. In the form of tommy gun that's the trope <laughs> That's the that it's is a, it's the, a metaphorical okay. Frankenstein, right? In the same way that in the same way that you can have Die Hard with Christmas, you could have Alien and or you have Jaws with boxing. And, you know, Frankenstein with boxing. That's what it is. So Frankenstein is one of those movies. It doesn't that, mean body parts are sewn together all the time. That's that's the point. No, it just means that you could. Yeah. What it means, the heart of Frankenstein. The sink. There's a single sentence that could be at the heart of Frankenstein. It's that I created a monster that I can't control. That's it. That's what it is. And it's very and, and most simplified form, you know? I, I, I would almost add in like the word either hubris or desire through those things. I created a monster. Right. Like, so I mean? my hubris, like uh, the hubris, hubris against science or my desire yes. to live again through someone else or whatever yeah. you have, you know, like it, that. And that's a metaphor. You could write a, th oh, a Brian, Brian's got a great one. Jurassic park is absolutely Jurassic park. Is, yeah. Science. Uh, no, amok. it totally is. Science, it's, it's science corrupt. I mean, you know what? And if you even want to argue, you could say in the later movies, they actually almost say sure. that it's a Frankenstein story because uh, Dr. Wu says, yeah, not dinosaurs. I made monsters. You wanted monsters. I made them. Yes. So they admit later in the continuity that they yes. are monsters. They're not dinosaurs. And it's also a great way to explain why they're not scientifically accurate anymore. I've always thought that was great. Bob, I think we're going to have to do this right now because we have two. We have we have we have Rocky Five. We have <laughs> Rocky Jurassic five. Park. <laughs> I love that Rocky Five is one of them. I love Rocky so Five. I, I don't care that Rocky Five is hated. I like it. I, I'm a big Rocky Five fan. Could is 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 uh Karate Kid 3? No, no, Karate Kid 3 is not. No, 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 it doesn't I work. Say that. It doesn't work. It doesn't as work as much as I adore Karate Kid 3. Um, no, does not. It, it's just they're they're definitely they're they're out there, they're out there. They just need to be they need to be thought up. I mean, you know, one could argue, okay, now here's where it gets a little now. What about vampire stories? Because a vampire that makes another vampire and that vampire turns on that vampire that thematically there's, they overlap in some sort of Venn diagram. It's not exact. Oh no. You know what? It doesn't work. Vampire, a vampire making another it works vampire. Less. Yeah. It, it works, works less. less. No, it just, nope. doesn't work. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work. However, I would argue that the person that, okay, maybe it doesn't you work. You could argue like, time. 
it, it would almost be close Victor to Frankenstein is the monster. He's like the human is the monster. Any, anytime you have a Victor Frankenstein type character, and obviously a scientific character that is obsessed with the truth of the universe or something, usually has some sort of Frankenstein metaphor, like even down to Back to the Future, right? There is no Frankenstein monster, but I think you could argue that Doc Brown's obsession with creating something that works or finding time travel creates a monster, which is the vehicle itself, which he wants to destroy at one point where he admits, you know, he admits in the third movie, like this thing has caused nothing but pain and trouble. Like it's literally become a monster it's in his own. Probably life. that is like as it's a, it's a real stretch. I would allow it's a it. stretch, but you understand what I I'm saying? Yes. Like his own scientific curiosity and even hubris created something that is out of control. Obviously. Okay. So both bride of reanimator and return of living dead part three fall. I mean, they're this direct. Category. Yeah. They're direct uh, references, right? Yeah. Direct. Yeah. It would be direct. That would, um, my personal favorite would probably be, uh, if I had to think about it, would be Bride of Chucky, which, um, Bride of Chucky, and sure. If, and if you're, and sure. if anyone has been watching the Chucky TV show, la, 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 la. I'm not giving this on a spoiler. It's obvious throughout all of the movies, and especially now through the TV show, that Don Mancini worships fucking Frankenstein. He loves Frankenstein. Like, that is the reason Bride of Chucky is called bride of chucky because it's bride of frankenstein oh shit oh like, shit like he worships the that he worships those movies all right so bob, bob yeah. i have one i have okay, one good. and i'm really excited to tell it. it's not one it's a genre that i know okay. we're gonna find ready okay. anything like she's all that which yes. was written by um, absolutely absolutely yes i love that you're on board with this. no totally you you create like uh i would say jawbreaker Jawbreaker, yes, that's Jawbreaker. It's not that. That is not no, no, no. no but Jawbreaker, yes. But you understand what I'm saying, like the yes. idea where, of, like, yeah. I made you, I made you, and then the person, right. the, the geek that they pulled out of obscurity Jawbreaker. turns into Jawbreaker. turns into like a an ego case. That okay, that's number stopped. three. That's number three. <laughs> Jawbreaker's sure. number three. Yes. I yeah. Love okay. This. Uh, it may. May is on the list. It has to be May, May is Frankenstein story. Like it's not, although, however, it does not thematically work in that way. Right. She does not, the, the monster doesn't rebel. She all she does is build a monster that comes to life at the end. By I the mean, way, it can be as simple as that, but you I'm, we're thinking no, more thematic. No, know? no, no. It's the idea that you build a monster that you cannot control that turns against you. That is the that is the formula. Rocky five. Right. Yes. I Rocky yeah. five. <laughs> Obviously, Rocky horror is there too. Rocky horror. In Rocky horror. Right. Um. Hmm. God. What else? There's got to be. It's like, you know what? As soon as we end this show, I'll think of like. I know there's going to be like a uh, thousand of them, and yeah. it's just oh man, I just I I love that though. I love that that is, uh, that that is a thing. Even it, it, it usually involves like a protege or something like that. Right. I mean, Mean Girls, you could almost argue, is a little bit that too. Sure. Right? Yeah. We, mean we Girls should, has... we will, we will coin this the Frankenstein trope. That <laughs> yeah. is what we shall coin it as. It's the right. Frankenstein. It's nothing that we didn't invent. It's just the idea that what is this thing called? It's the Frankenstein I mean, trope. Jeff, you really hit on it with the high school movies because right now I'm thinking of, uh, yeah, can't I'm, buy me, can't buy me love. Oh yes, my God. absolutely. Can't buy me love. Absolutely. He, he totally turns into an egotistical monster. I mean, uh, that's what I mean, but that's Dr. McDreamy. That's literally what it is. It's like you turn me into a thing 
that uh and i forget who i am well that's usually like the teen twist on it it's like i forget who i am and then i gotta get well back and the, to it. the difference is that the monster doesn't end up dying the monster usually in those cases the monster learns that they've gone too far and right come back comes, to Earth. comes to their senses, come and, to their senses come, and become a good human again right oh 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 my god oh no i was no, it doesn't work i was gonna say greece it doesn't work greece doesn't work it doesn't yeah, work it doesn't, it doesn't work. really it doesn't work. work yeah Almost a lot of these, worked. a lot of Almost these. Worked. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of movies with makeovers because makeovers, right, would be the science scene in the Frankenstein metaphor, right, and right, then, yeah, and then that person becomes a new. What about weird science? I mean, weird science obviously is a direct reference. To it's a direct reference. It's not the Frankenstein it's, trope. Thematically, though. it is not Frankenstein, but it is no, it's not. It is Frankenstein like Frankenstein uh, plot wise, but not thematically, right. Uh, but she um, that that was definitely an inspiration though. Frankenstein's an in Cobra Kai, the show we gave it with the with the young oh, black God, they boy. They do it constantly. They do it constantly. The, oh, they do it in a bunch of different ways. But yeah. I'm thinking of the kids. <laughs> Everyone that, on the that show kids. is creating Frankenstein's that are constantly right, they going can't back control. to <laughs> Yeah, it's like a and it's like a it's like the an cycle. endless circle. Yeah. Okay, uh, Brian in the comments is saying, "Is Carrie pushing it too far?" Carrie, I, I would say Carrie is not does not fall into it at all. Well, who trained? I mean, I don't know. Am I forgetting Carrie? Did Carrie get like Carrie's shown how to do it? Or no, Carrie just had a power, and her mother was trying to stifle it. Her mother didn't really create it. And her here's the thing. Okay, Part so wait, the I see what Brian's saying though. I see what Brian's saying. Like the actual abuse to to form Carrie into the daughter that the mother wants. and then she rebels. She rebels, by... and she she like. She basically enacts her powers out of her mother's own need to control. Okay, okay. It's, Brian, it's not that bad, to be honest with you. It's not that bad. It, I would say it works. I'd say it's 75%. It's looser. It's looser. It's a it's looser, looser one. Like, it's looser like the one that Bob said. And here's another one. Care, uh, uh, Christine. Christine almost, almost works. Uh, what's his face? He kind of... He has that Frankenstein-like transformation, but no one makes him like that. He doesn't have a Victor Frankenstein, which is why it falls yeah. through. You need the, the the Frankenstein trope works like this. There has to be a Victor Frankenstein. There has, there to, has be to be a monster. There has to be a monster. And there has to be a, a, a part where they can no longer control the monster that they created. Those three elements. And if the, and if the monster kills the Victor Frankenstein metaphor, then that's even better. You right. know what I mean? Like it, those it three up, elements, yeah. those three elements are needed and necessary for the Frankenstein trope to apply mm -hmm. and plug into any movie, really, yeah. in any kind of genre. Uh, yeah, they're Frank adjacent. They're they're adjacent. They're Frankenstein trope adjacent, I would say. Yes. They 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 fit they, they tick two out of the three boxes, but not all of the boxes, and that is the result. Um, we need to talk about, yes, that is true. Rue Morg, you are right. Glenn Danzig and Jerry did make Doyle, and Doyle is a Frankenstein's monster. It's perfect. Okay, I'll, I'll take your word for it, Jeff. Rue Morg, yeah. Rue Morg I, 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 uh, I'll, I'll allow it. There, I'll yeah, allow so there it. can be real-life uh, Frankensteins, is what you're saying. What about yes. Deadly Friend? Um, um, that's with the robot. That's the robot in the house. That that's that's Wes Craven. I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, Amy, I haven't seen that movie since the early nineties. Yeah, but I remember the only time. thing I remember is the robot throwing the basketball 
at uh, Mama Fratelli's head and it exploding. That's what I remember from that movie. Um, it could be argued Terminator could be argued as uh, Frankenstein. It's like on a mass scale, but not in a character scale. It's not definitely not on a character scale. A although Terminator scale. Two is Terminator Two is more because they go back in time. They kill the dude. I think that's what a do you mean? It's a little loose. They gotta kill the dude who freaking. I know, but the... I'm just saying the themes of the movie to me don't don't really scream that. They don't really. Okay, fine, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I don't really um, scream what that is. I, it, like humanity is the Victor Frankenstein there, but it's not what the movie is truly about. Right, right. Yeah, uh, it's just it's a really it is a really fun sort of concept to to play with and right. uh, figure out. And Jawbreaker is my favorite so far. That's a Jawbreaker is a great one. I I just love the idea. She's all that. If 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 she's all that. Hold on a second. Freddie Prince Jr. creates what's her face. By the but way, she, she, the thing is, if she's all that, she never becomes egotistical and stuff. She never no, and she but she is not controlled. So we're missing the monster. Right. It doesn't. She's all that doesn't work. But Jawbreaker she doesn't become does. monster. Yeah. She doesn't become a monster. It, it it only has two out of the three. Right. She is created and she does rebel. But she's she not remains monstrous. a good person the entire right. movie, pretty much. Right. Yeah. So and yes, like I've said, seen she's all that way too many times. Which is written by M Night Shyamalan. I know. Which is the most amazing fact. Much like Stuart Little, if you didn't know that. So Wait, what? He wrote Stuart Little. Yeah. I love it makes me love M Night so much more. <laughs> I mean, and you know, you, know what's you gotta eat, man. You gotta work. I, I, well, I hate to say this, like I, I love all of his fantastical movies and like his director sure. directed movies that he's directed. But I have to say, I think pound for pound and story wise, I think she's all that might be more airtight than some of like some of the movies that he writes and directs. Not all of them, but some of them, I think. She's all that just might stay. It's you know, it's like formulaic, but like it, it talk holds about, up. Talk about a movie that was like a staple of aughts television. Like I saw that so aughts, many times. It's more like yeah, aughts, right, right, right. Aughts, like 1999, yeah. 2000, right, Tell, like like cosmic. Comedy Central from like 2000 to 2005. Hack, I mean, it just e, she, sack, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but yeah, man. I would go with Jawbreaker. Jawbreaker has a much clearer Frankenstein vibe to it. So listen, we yeah. we need to we need to land this airplane. But this has been this is fucking. I, I love this conversation. I love yeah, no, this conversation good. went. Yeah, um, this was such so, such a fucking fun, creative exploration of Frankenstein that I was not intending. Right. We still need to discuss the very end of Frankenhooker because of like where it, everything lands and what the it's what final, it's what makes the movie honestly like great. And it has yeah. a good spirit is because yes. of where it ends. Yes. That's, so uh, yeah, the movie up to this point could be, you could flip a dime as to whether it's going to like how, like how nasty or mean spirited or ridiculous it could possibly end up. And instead, we get this incredible Tales from the Crypt, Just Desserts, karmatic message thrown right in. For this guy we've spent way too much time with. Yeah, we've like <laughs> literally point. been in his head. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, in his very empty head. It's not. Very empty. He's, he's not drilled a complicated in it. man. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a complicated man. 
he drives home after collecting his bride to be who's literally his bride to be who has walked off trying to find a date. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, we forgot to mention uh, a huge element with a fun element to this Frankenstein mythology is that she's charged with electricity. It's a combination. Uh, this is what I interpreted. It's electricity and super crack that's mixed together in some way, shape or form so that when she kisses fucks, gets head from she makes people explode she makes people explode and um, i think it's important too what i like about it is that just like frankenstein's monster he's really not out to hurt anyone he doesn't know his own strength and he's scared right and she is not out to kill anyone she's just no, doing she's, her natural job of crime directive her right crime right. directive like is to find not, the date evil she doesn't want to hurt anyone but if she touches anyone they explode well it's just <laughs> or she's, she gets so solely, right. she's so she's like ai which like right. in the idea that like an ai like if you program ai to like be the best like envelope sealer like you know we just want you to seal envelopes ai but then right. ai gets connected to the internet and determines right. that human beings stand in the way of doing this job perfectly and therefore we need to eradicate humanity and does so just so it can lick the perfect envelopes and stuff them and whatnot. And, you know, human beings extinct for 10,000 years and an AI has literally expanded across the universe, just stuffing envelopes, <laughs> doing its one perfect task the way it's supposed to right, do. Right, right. Yeah. And in this case, it's she just needs to get a date. She just wants to get a date. She just wants to turn a trick. That's She's it. She's not trying to kill those men. She She's is not, not trying to, but boy, if you don't have a date for her, she doesn't want nothing to do with you. Get the fuck out of my way. Right, that right. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and of course, she meets a bunch of scuzzbags that are asking for it. You know, which I'm saying is an important thematic thing to, towards like what Frankenstein originally was. He is not right. He's not Dracula. You know, he's not trying to maliciously do things to people. There's no malevolence. In, yes, in he's not Frankenstein's monster. Right. He is. Uh, which you know again, he's a scared. Right, he's a scared. Frankly, he's a scared animal that's 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 reacting to what is being thrown Con at. Yeah. Confused and confused disoriented. And, yeah, yeah. By what he what what he is and where his place is in this world and mm -hmm. whatnot, and yeah, um, trying to make sense of it all. And again, just shows how brilliant Mary Shelley is. In any case, she finds herself back in the city, and Zorro kind of in this really, as Bob stated. Zoro figures out in this really ridiculous way, like kind of what's going on, because he's like, "Yo, my bitches exploded! They literally exploded!" His reaction <laughs> is so odd to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, okay, he's like, look, this is proof that she exploded because look at her arm. She, where did she get that from? This guy tries to like rape the. Oh shit! I said the R word. Uh, this guy forces oh, himself on the YouTube yeah, flag. That yeah, is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they yeah. will. They will sometimes. Um, they, uh, this guy tries to force, uh, cunning lingu linguistic, um, uh, uh, stuff onto Franken hooker and he explodes too. We get back to the lab in the garage and Zorro follows Jeffrey Franken and Franken hooker there. And he chops off Jeffrey Franken's head. It's one of those movies. Here's a, you know what it is? There are movies where the everything happens in the last five minutes of the movie. I don't know if there's a term for that. Sometimes, I, yeah, I have no clue. But you're right. 
sometimes it's wonderful. Sometimes it's like, it's like, it's, it works, especially if it's like a shorter movie. Every, like, like they jam pack like 15 different things that happen in the lat. You're literally looking at the running time I, going, how the fuck are they? Where, how is this going to wrap think up? It, I think in the case of Frankenhooker, it works because this it works very well. It works a, very it, well. It, it's the tone and it's a comedy. And yeah, the fact that the movie is funny and weird and gory and silly up until then, it brings us through that we don't need that much plot for a lot of that. Those scenes like no, they work just being what they are whereas you could do everything at the end that really the, like the thematic punches at the end and that's fine you know you don't the need third to act of the movie literally happens in five minutes it's like five minutes yeah it's right at the end <laughs> so it's fine so you know jeffrey franken loses his head his head gets chopped off by a machete via zorro the uh body part monsters very similar to bride reanimator they come crawling out of the the purple goo uh bathtub what? right and they drag him in, and this big beefy man is sometimes somehow powerless to these things. These things, which yeah. look like screaming mad George creatures, straight they had, up. They, they kind of are a touch of society in them, you know. Yeah, like, that's yeah, screaming got, mad George, screaming yeah, yeah. mad George to society. Um, yeah, they ha- they absolutely look, and they're and they're fantastic, and they're just they're, oh, wonderful, they're wonderful and wonderful. Um, and that, just, the one that's like the anus belly. With yeah. The oh, it was thing. great. It was the great. mouth. Yeah beautiful and they have a crack party inside this thing and i guess they <laughs> somehow kill like we don't know what they want with zora i guess they just want to kill him because they just they want hate flesh him. man they need merge they need to yeah, merge just with the fresh, flesh, fresh yeah yeah uh, all hail the new flesh right right and right. um uh and so frankenhooker and it takes... fades to black after that right doesn't right it fade yeah to black? You, you you finish it off what happens well, no, it fa- well, no it's, it's not really anything it fades to black yeah and it fades back and then we're on jeffrey's head and you can see that his head has been reattached to something. Yeah, we don't know and then, why. You know, and the then, then it kicker. zooms out a little bit, and you see that he's got a giant set of boobs. And then he's like, oh, what happened to me? What happened to me? And then she says, well, you left instructions, and it was really easy to figure out, and now you're back with me. Right, so she and brings so him back. but also brings him back. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say that the, the serum, the blood serum, the purple blood serum is estrogen-based, meaning that Zorro's body and Jeffrey yes, Franken's yeah. body were wor- worthless, useless, which might be one of the weakest parts of like the the, the very flimsy story logic here. However, I mean, yeah, it's fine. It yeah. very much suits as the long as it desserts. gets to his head being stuck on a woman's body, right? Which matter. is why we need yeah. this to happen. She says, right. "Look, I the I the only thing I could do was use body parts, mind you." There's literally a plate of breasts that <laughs> that he sorts through <laughs> earlier, and like. Like a trash can full of legs. It's just, you know, the, the lack it, of respect. It couldn't he be has. more blunt in how it's showing like how flesh. men yeah. Yeah. How how men view women as objects is yes. a man sorting through a pile of breasts. Right. Looking for the best ones. It's, and and yeah. he just, you know, and so now he's like, ah, you know, you made me into a woman, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she what she does, much like what she does when she's mirroring. Because, by the way, when he reattaches her head, Zoro punches her in the head, which knocks her block off, literally knocks her block off. And when he reattaches it, she suddenly has all of her... dispenser. Right. And she has all her memories back. And he's explaining to her what happened and trying to, like, he's rationalizing it. And mind you, he's doing it from a pedestal of, like, nothing bad has ever happened to me. So, you know, and I'm saying, hey, calm down, baby. It's all going to be okay. Look what I did for you. I gave you a better body um you know like i said he treats this whole thing like it's a good thing 
right <laughs> like right. It's, it's all happening good. it's great it's net good everything's right. good and you know and she's like she's not ha- she's not happy but she doesn't get a chance to really process her feelings because jeffrey gets his head cut off and so she karmatically reciprocates by sewing his head on to a female body and then recites word for word everything that he just said to her to her right and that's yeah. the movie and he, and, and he and, goes and, oh and he has to live in his one hell which is he views women as a as almost things as inhuman and now he has a body of a woman he's it's his own little personal hell right i mean it's i guess yeah i mean yeah i mean that's that's it man like and you know his body has been taken from him for the amount of bodies that he has taken from others yeah it's yeah, just i mean perfect, it's, a, it's a karmic uh you're straight up tales from the crypt just desserts yeah. ending and it it's just karma baby perfect yeah it's yeah. perfect and it just it's a yeah. wonderful note um i love that frankenhooker it it's it's so easily watchable it's it's a quick brisk 85 it's par- minutes it's a party movie too like party movie for sure it, it, like it's great watching it by yourself but this is a movie where like a revival screening yep. go don't skip or it. you know get a couple of your friends together with a yes, nice yes. cheesy pizza and a couple glasses of coca-cola it's, it's exactly and that sit movie down and 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 laugh because you want to you know and part of the reason why bob and i do this and why it's so enjoyable is that you literally want to turn to someone and process what it is that you're seeing and enjoy the ridiculousness and that's part of the wonderful communal experience of watching ridiculous movies with other people. You want to be able to revel right. in the ridiculousness. It's a lot harder to do that alone. But it also, and also like, I think the reason this is enjoyable is because a movie like call, I mean, a movie called Frank and hooker, a movie that like that, you don't think you can actually wring out any pathos or theme or actually good natured thing from it, but it's actually, you can, there's a lot of, great themes in here to be found and it's the it's one of those things where it's like i i fear what people on the kids on the internet watching this now i fear their take because i fear that they wouldn't see those themes and realize it's it's making fun right misogyny and everything it's not you're not supposed to be with this main character he is a bad person and kind of a a hollow shell of an idiot, like like you know science, but he, he's he's terrible a, human being. He's a terrible human being, and he should not be revered, or you, and you should not relate to him in any way. No. Yes. No. Yeah. Nope. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Um, you can find first of all, Bob is on. You know, we did we talked a little bit about screenwriting and. Again, I, I, I guess I, I'm slightly ambivalent, but don't want to be like I want to be proud of like the idea that I, I have come up with my own name for something that probably has already existed. And probably in if writing. it does, I didn't know about it. It so. probably already exists. But if it doesn't exist, the idea of the what is that was the Frankenstein trope, the Frankenstein trope. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Frankenstein trope, and it probably has a name, but we, we it probably has a name. It. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want to take yeah. credit for it or anything, but like. Yeah. The idea that, but we came to this idea on our own, the, an epiphany mm-hmm. on our own, thinking about it. You know how you, that can happen sometimes. And um, this was this was a really this was really fun. And Bob explores all sorts of mechanics like this all the time on his own show, Writers Blockbuster. Yeah. His very talented co-hosts, the three of them, they they put their heads together and they they talk 
movies and uh, break down those the guys. Script. Those guys talk, and I add some stuff every now and then. <laughs> uh, you add so as, much. You're, as the, you're same, the heart of that show, Bob. Uh, thank you, thank you. I well, yeah. And if you want to listen to that, I would say just the best thing to do is follow me at Thundergrump Bob on IG or Twitter, and go to the links on my links in description. Yeah, Thund- right. uh, go to the link tree. Okay. Yeah, li- my link tree is is the is my website. Go to the yes. link tree. It'll have everything important. So if you Thank make you. it this far, if you make yeah. it this far, and if you are a writer or a screenwriter of some kind, you this is a must listen show. Thank you, and has to be checked out as well as all of the uh, the, the whole world of Thundergrunt is is at your fingertips if you wish to uh, jump into that dimension. Specifically writer's blockbusters, though, for this purpose. Yes, specifically for this purpose, for sure. Uh, I'm going to play us out with the Patreon. Bob, stick around for two minutes and 35 seconds. And uh, we'll see you. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for for enjoying. I have to say, this might be one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. It really, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed. Who would have thought that you could figure out and like break down so much stuff from a movie like Frank from Frankenhooker. Fucking great. Like that, that just goes to show there's a lot it's a good of good podcast, man. I thank you for anyone nice. that listened yeah. to it. Brian yes, and Amy sure. and uh, Rue. Thank yes, you for listening. All you guys. All you guys. Yeah. Peace, hair grease. We'll see. I'm gonna go pee while you play time. it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk, and I never shut the fuck up. (laughs) So right now, I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers, and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee, but it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates 
that subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.